Christine Bentley with Kate Wheeler, and you're listening to what she said on 105.9 The Region, brought to you this week by Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. We hope you're enjoying your weekend. And of course, please go to Kobo.com slash what she said, where you will find our Books with Buzz book club. We're kicking off the show today, continuing our conversation from last weekend about women in STEM. Now, this time with the co-founder and CEO of Canada Learning Code, Melissa Serifidine. They are a part of a big women in tech event put on by Booking.com mm-hmm. coming up at the end of the month. And they're aiming to reach women and communities who are underrepresented in the tech community. You know, mm-hmm. it's good. Now, the family of a 55-year-old mother of two who died after suffering burns to most of her body has launched a $12 million negligence lawsuit against the manufacturer of an ethanol-fueled lamp. We're going to be joined by Dr. James McGorman, whose wife passed away, as well as Toronto critical injury lawyer John McLeish from McLeish Orlando, who hopes this lawsuit will draw attention to the serious and recognized hazard of ethanol-fueled lamps and its information you will want to know if you have one of these lamps in your home. Of course, our film critic, Ann Brody, will tell us what to watch and avoid at the movies <laughs> and on TV and books we can't wait for with Nathan Maharaj, the director of merchandising at Kobo. Speaking of books with buzz, understanding what others are trying to tell you with their posture, hand gestures and eye contact or lack thereof might be even more important than what you're projecting yourself. We will be talking to Mark Bowden and Tracy Thompson, who have written a fresh, insightful guide to reading body language in the post-digital age. It's called Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. I'm not sure I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) Family Channel's popular tween drama Backstage is returning for its second season on Monday. And we will be joined by Aviva, who plays Aaliyah on the show. She sings and will perform her new single in our live studio sessions. Don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk, and you can join us on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for great giveaways and a sneak peek of who will be joining us on the show. We're going to take a quick break. What She Said will be right back here on 105.9 The Region. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. Back to what she said. I'm Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is the co-founder and CEO of Canada Learning Code, Melissa Sarafodine. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, you're part of a big women in tech event. It's put on by Booking.com. It's coming up at the end of uh, this month, uh, March. But before we get to that, tell us what Canada Learning Code aims to do. 
Yeah, so we're a charity, a national charity. We've been around for almost seven years, and, and our goal is really to um, to allow Canadians to harness the power of technology. So we don't want technology to be something that people fear, but it's something that they can use to leverage and to create personal and professional fulfillment. And so we run hands-on programs so people can learn digital skills uh, and they can build and not just consume technology. Now, you are a real lover of technology, and you started yes. early. Why don't you yes. tell everybody what you were doing at 11 years old? Yeah, so when I was 11, I uh, my family got its first computer, and uh, I spent two entire summers doing nothing but coding. Um, and I was building my own websites, and I was teaching myself how to code at the time. And um, for me, I really just you know, that changed my life in so many ways because there's such a confidence that comes from being able to build whatever you imagine. Um, and as a kid, especially, it was really, really uh, valuable for me. Um, and, you know, here I am now, uh, many years later, helping other people, uh, you know, gain that same confidence. So what what was the trigger? I mean, there you are, an 11-year-old girl, and, you know, there's lots of, but how did, how did this come to be? What was the connection? Yeah, I, so I was pretty fortunate that my, you know, cousin, he was a few years older, he was really involved in, um, in kind of the early kind of tech boom. And, and he was building websites. He's, you know, a software developer. Um, and so I had an early exposure there. But for me, what it really was about was being able to, to make things. I was always super, super creative. Um, you know, so if I wanted to make, a, you know, a blog or a, um, a chat room for my friends, I did that. So in, you know, grade eight, we could connect in the summer. So it was really a platform for me to solve problems that I was facing in my life and to build things, uh, which I think was really cool that people also liked and used and could connect us um, and had value for them. On a personal level, like something made your environment just perfect. Mm -hmm. So you didn't, you weren't intimidated by it. And and now everybody is trying to work Mm -hmm. toward getting girls involved because there is Mm -hmm. a gender bias. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, what do you think worked so perfectly? Was it your cousin that you kind of looked up to that was yeah. a role model? Well, it's interesting that you say that because that's the first part of my story. But I actually didn't pursue a degree in computer science as much as I loved it. So I actually took computer science in grade nine. And my professor at the time, or teacher at the time, was like, OK, great, Mel. Like, you did great. Um, we'll see you. We'll see you around. And, and I never pursued it you know, traditionally past that. I was always building on the side, but I, you know, was a perfect example of someone who was, wasn't encouraged to pursue it, even though I had such a strong early interest. Mm. And I think it was partly because my family, even though my, my cousin, you know, understood the importance, my mom, who I really, you know, valued her opinion, didn't, didn't realize that a career in technology was a thing, um, in the nineties. And, and I never really had any other role models until after I graduated university, um, you know, and realized that this was such a, a big problem. Mm. So, okay, so let's talk about that because you were recently on a panel hosted by Mm -hmm. Booking.com where you had an open conversation about the issue of gender bias in the tech industry. Let's talk about some of the points that came up yeah. on the panel. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions that always comes up is, and, and did at this panel was why? Like, why do you think there's this women in, in tech problem and, and experiences? And and for me, you know, looking back, I was fortunate. I had an early exposure, um, you know, and I really, really loved it. But then I kind of opted out for a period of time. But when I think back to it, it's, you know, at an early age, as young as like, you know, one or younger, uh, toys and activities are, are gendered. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, 
and you may even have your own personal experience about this, but um, I've heard a lot that once a family gets their, their first computer or laptop, it's like, okay, sons, you know, go play with it, play video games. And girls are encouraged to play house or play with dolls or play with more, you know, female or girl gender toys. And so at some point, technology and, and being on the computer, whether it's playing or building on it, um, wasn't something that girls were encouraged to do. And then I think that kind of systemic, um, you know, bias towards boys building and making um, is what, you know, is part of pushing um, girls and, and not showing them that that's something that they can be part of or, or should be part of or is exciting and interesting for them to be part of. Well, we actually had a conversation with somebody, uh, I think it was maybe last week or, or the week before, about also in that whole campaign of trying to make it attractive and for parents to understand mm-hmm. what they need to do, you know, showing that scientists can be fashionable and sexy and they're not they're not these losers that I I thought anybody was into math when I grew up because it wasn't math was not a girl thing yeah in fact you were encouraged to be stupid about math because that was attractive to boys totally yeah and you you see that and so we we also know a lot about girls and their their desire to be connected to a bigger purpose or the community and so in our programs when we focus on girls and um and actually all of our programs are about that social cause and, and not just learning technology or learning to code for coding's sake. It's about what is it going to help you do. Okay, so so Booking.com is going to be hosting one of your ladies' learning code yeah. run workshops, and that's coming up. Is, is it open to anyone? Yeah, it, it's focused on adult women, and, and so parents or you know anyone who really wants Us, to upskill. Christine. Yes, exactly, both of you can attend. <laughs> Look at the alarm. Yes. Can you imagine me? Yes. Me, coding? It's for complete beginners, so you've never had to see a line of code in your life. or you know, Oh, I've never seen a yes. line of code. So, I mean, I can't even, you know, I yeah. can't even... Yeah understand this <laughs> yeah it's a it's a great place to start from complete beginners you'll learn to build your own website uh, for scratch you could use it as a resume website or you know something to share family photos and again complete beginners uh, and it's a way just to start to understand what's under the hood and, and to feel a little bit more confident with you know this kind of coding and and you know all the conversation around it and it's really to help demystify what it is okay so that it, it takes place in toronto over two evenings march 21st and march 28th yep. and you can go to canada learning code to register yep. for it and there's a prize yes, yes. a big prize travel credits five hundred dollars yep. worth of travel credits from booking.com, booking.com yep. um and, uh, but I, I think that's fabulous but i also like there's a professional one hour mentoring session so what's yeah so I think one of the senior leaders at booking.com is going to spend time with uh, the lucky winner um, to you know talk about kind of career development also at all of our programs for every four learners there's one one mentor as well so there'll be lots of opportunities for people again who've never seen a line of code to understand how this might fit into their future career to learn about careers in the space and and to ultimately just feel more confident with with technology the other thing too is if you're if you've got another business, you're a mompreneur, or which we mm-hmm. know we have tons of them in, or mm-hmm. somebody who's working at home and you've got your own little business, yeah. not a bad idea to be able to have full control over totally. your own website and your own stuff totally. Totally. without having to pay somebody. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you go to Canada Learning yeah. Co to register and to win the prize, all you have to do is attend the workshop. Yeah. And tweet about a woman who inspires you using the hashtag booking femme powers. Yeah. Booking femme powers. Booking femme powers. Who inspires you? 
Oh, this is a people every single day. Um, Ryerson University actually yesterday came out with a list of, of 30 women in Toronto's tech community, and every single one of them inspires me. They're, um, I think there's a, this idea that you know you're aspiring to be you know look up to Oprah or you know some celebrity, but I find every single day my peers um, and the people around me are, are inspiring me by what they do, what they believe in, um, standing up for causes that matter to them. Uh, there's no shortage of women to look up to. So. Are there other workshops if we want to learn other technological skills that, that Canada Learning Code yeah, offers? definitely. So we've programmed five different programs. We've got programs for teachers, for, for adults, uh, for girls only, co-ed programs, and programs for teen girls. So depending on which demographic you're in and what your goal is, we've got lots of different programs across the country in uh, 33 cities and counting. Uh, and they're progressive too. So if you've built a website and you now want to learn to maybe add some interactivity to it, you can do that. If you want to learn to you know design your own business cards, we run programs for that as well. So everything's on our website to, to sign up for across the country. I'm 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 so tempted. I just I'm not. I just I find it fascinating, but I wasn't very good. I was good at algebra, but not good at math. But is it like this? Sound may sound silly, but is it like a Sudoku where you think, you know, you're doing a puzzle with numbers, mm -hmm. but I'm. But it really has nothing to do with numbers. It's just the way you think. Or do you really need to have a math background? It depends on what you're, you're learning and the type of coding you're doing. We um, liken it more to learning a language. And so it's, you know, HTML and CSS is really a, a different language. And it looks like that. It looks like a recipe to, yeah. um, you know, to your favorite, you know, favorite uh, food. And so it's, it's a lot less math than you expect. And it's really easy to get started. Excellent. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so Melissa, much for telling me. us all about it. What's the, the website? CandaLearningCo.ca. All right. You are listening to What She Said. While we take a quick break, be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. And we'll be right back here on 105.9 The Region. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Centre is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. York Region. York Region. Radio from your point of view. 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said. I'm Kate Wheeler. The family of a 55-year-old mother of two who died after suffering burns to most of her body has launched a $12 million negligence lawsuit against the manufacturer of an ethanol-fueled lamp. In studio with us now is Toronto critical injury lawyer John McLeish from McLeish Orlando and Dr. James McGorman. Thank you both for joining us today. Glad to be here. Dr. McGorman, um, the tragedy occurred at a burnt river cottage where your wife, Dr. Judith Byers, uh, was visiting neighbors during a power outage. Tell us what happened. Well, we're having a great day. Everything was wonderful. My son had been up for dinner 
And uh, there was a power outage. Our friends came down and invited us to come over. I was sitting in a separate room, and Judith was visiting with her friends in the, on the porch. And when I walked up, there was a small light on the porch table I'd never seen before, didn't know anything about it, didn't clue in that it was ever a risk or a problem. It looked quite uh, lovely. And uh, while I was playing cards, all of a sudden there was a huge explosion in the gazebo area or the, the screened-in porch. And uh, because there was a power, there was very little light for us to tell what was going on. But as we came to understand what happened, we all ran with buckets of water and tried to put out the flames. And very quickly, I had someone come to me and say that my wife had been badly injured. And I quickly went to her side and found a place for her to lie down. And uh, she had been injured. A number of others in the room had been injured. And all she could keep saying to me was that, Jim, I'm still burning. I feel like everything's burning. And uh, so we laid her down and tried to make her as comfortable as you can as we made arrangements to get her to the hospital. Now, this um, is because the, the lamp was ethanol, and ethanol burns invisibly, pretty much. Um, and there was no flame arrester on the lamp. So as I understand it, they thought that the flame was dead, that the lamp needed refueling. Yeah, so what happens with these little stand stoves or lamps is basically they're a cup that you put ethanol in, and that ethanol burns in that cup openly and makes a beautiful flame. It's said to be safe because it doesn't produce carbon monoxide, so you can have mm -hmm. it inside, and that what's is the way it is marketed. However, these little stoves, the uh, the fuel is so clear and perfect that it burns with all, almost no flame. So in this case, uh, the people in that room felt it was out. They waited the prescribed 15 minutes that you're supposed to wait for it to cool down and went to refuel it after much discussion, actually. And as you refuel it, it's actually the, the container that has a fuel in it that needs the flame arrester. Mm -hmm. And as you refuel it, there is a chance that that fuel can ignite because ethanol is a volatile substance and it creates a gas which is flammable. So if that gas catches f uh, fire from a source of flame, that flame is brought into the container and the container, the, the uh, liquid in the container uh, catches flame and uh, actually expands to 400 times its size. So there's no way it stays in the container and it basically shoots out like a flamethrower and catches everything in its path. And unfortunately, my wife was in its path. Now, John, your hope is that this lawsuit will draw attention to the serious and recognized hazard of ethanol-fueled lamps, right? Yes, uh, that's absolutely correct. <clears throat> this is not the first time this has happened. And it's uh, being manufactured and distributed by other companies in, uh, in addition to the one involved here. And has been sold and continues to be sold throughout North America and Europe. And it is, it's a very seriously dangerous product as can be seen from what happened in this particular instance. Do you find it surprising that, you know, we have labels on food that this might cause this or that, and meanwhile something like this is not more regulated? If you're asking me that question, absolutely. This, as Jim has indicated, this looked like a very innocuous product, and it was really represented a, an illusion of safety. It was potentially very, very dangerous product, as, again, as can be seen from the consequences. And looking at it, who would know? 
Who, Who would know? Would know? Uh, well, the the manufacturer is Brassafire Inc. It's made in in Germany. Is that in Germany? It is manufactured in Germany and uh, distributed from there uh, throughout uh, throughout North America and and elsewhere. Now, the statement of claim filed with the Ontario Superior Court um, alleges that Brassa companies designed, manufactured, packaged, and sold an unsafe ethanol fueled lamp and open refueling container, which they failed to adequately test before distribution. So, um, doctor, you believe this was entirely preventable? Absolutely. These are defective products. If you look at them and if you look at the history of them, uh, it's well known in the industry that flame arresters will stop this in almost 100% of of occurrences. Um, And for some reason, they have chosen not to install them. There are companies that are reputable that do install flame arresters on their uh, containers of fuel, but there are many others that do not. And uh, we know that uh, simple uh, plastic uh, flame arrester that costs only a few pennies uh, would have saved my wife's life. And yet these companies, uh, for some reason, refuse to install them on their, uh, on their fuel containers. John, are there other incidents of this happening? There are uh, a number of them, yeah, going back, going back decades, not uh, necessarily with this company, but, but other companies with, with similar products and... It's not, a, it's not a rare occurrence, and the manufacturers and distributors uh, know that it, it has happened and will continue to happen. As Jim said, uh, one way of preventing it is with a flame arrestor that can be done at minimal, minimal cost. I was and, just going to ask you, is it you know, uh, prohibitively expensive to install one? No, it costs only pennies. And uh, to your question about how often this occurs, uh, statistics from the states in a much larger country claim that there are almost 4,000 people a year injured and almost 450 die a year from similar incidences, not just with ethanol, but with volatile fuels in general, all of which probably could be prevented with flame arresters. Tell us a little bit about Judith. Well, she's uh, the woman was a force. Uh, I was married to her for 31 years. I knew her since the age of 19, and she was a wonderful person. And, you know, her loss is, was a loss to my family. It was a loss to my children and, and myself in a great way. But it was also a loss to our community. I mean, she had an office full of 17 women that worked for her. Um, they had a wonderful office, and uh, the girls are still hurting terribly from her loss. And our community lost a great deal because Judith worked with children. She worked with mentally handicapped cho- uh, adults. Uh, she took uh, people into the hospital where very few dentists do that sort of thing and looked after all difficult cases there. Um, she had a way with kids, and uh, it's the kind of thing that you'd learn on your own that's not really taught. And uh, Judith uh, was a real um, force in the community in terms of support for important uh, groups. We have always supported the YWCA. We are still involved in a very interesting project with them now to, in Judith's name. And uh, so we feel that she was a loss, not just to ourselves, but to the whole community. And you want to try and make sure that that loss doesn't happen to another family and another community. Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm going at this from every angle that I can to try to get these companies to come to heel and do the right thing. And uh, unfortunately, it's never easy. And corporate, the corporate world often only listens to their pocketbook. And if you don't kick them there, they don't seem to change. So I think in some ways, this is an opportunity to affect change. And, and John, what's the timeline for a case like this? Mm-hmm. 
It's uh, it can take it can take several several years, and we'll just see what kind of cooperation we get from the various lawyers who are representing the defendants. And just to add to to the point Jim made a few minutes ago, he has made it very clear to me. And this is not about the money. This is not about the money. This is to make this product either safer or get it off the market altogether. That's what he has emphasized to me you know, time, almost every time I meet him. And to that point, Kate, I mean, we are trying to do everything in our family that we can to uh, change this. Uh, I'm in discussions with Health Canada. I've been working with the, uh, the fire marshal. I'm involved with uh, ASTM, which is the group in the states that regulates uh, these things. So uh, we're trying to get change in as many ways as possible. And have there been any that Changes. you know of? Yeah. Not yet. Any stores that have, no? With respect to that, the statement of claim has been filed in the Superior Court, but it has not yet been served on, on the defendants. Okay. Well, John McLeish and Dr. James McGorman, thank you both for joining us today and sharing your story. And we, we wish you both uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you. This is What She Said on 105.9 The Region. You can follow us across all our social media at What She Said Talk, and we will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. The Spark of Markham. CFMS 105.9. The Region. Saturday night at the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. Welcome back to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm Kate Wheeler, and it is time now for Saturday Night at the Movies with our film critic Anne Brody. And I am so excited about this first film from one of my all-time favorite books, A Wrinkle in Time. Now, we've seen mixed reviews, but it passed your test. I found it to be just delightful. It's really, it's not a superficial children's film. It has so much going on. There is philosophy, mysticism, um, rules for living, intense beauty. It's really an experience that I think people will enjoy, children will enjoy, and they'll be really challenged by it. So this isn't just some ordinary kids film. And I think the adults will enjoy it. And Mindy Cowling plays this character who's constantly quoting poets through time. It's just great. Do they do that in the book? Yeah, that, I loved it. Oprah looks fantastic. It's just, it's just a treat. I love that the uh, your interview subject uh, did not have a clue who Oprah was when he filmed the uh, when filmed it. It was like thought it was an opera singer, <laughs> and that the person was going to be singing all the time. But I mean, he's very, very young. The idea of time travel is so cool, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Would you like to do that if it were real? I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter how much money I'd spend. I'd time travel any day. <laughs> 
Bye, school. <laughs> Bye. Going to Hawaii. <laughs> that's right. Hawaii, is that where you shot? No, we shot in New Zealand. Oh, that's right, New yeah. Zealand. That's so far. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful land, though. And what did you think of the women's costumes? They pull it off really well, but off camera, they can't even sit down. <laughs> so. Behind the scenes secrets. <laughs> Never mind. So talented Next, we that have kid. Vancouver filmmaker Amina Shum's Meditation Park. It's adorable. Is it? It's set in sort of a Chinese area in East Vancouver, and it's a, a, a woman who's married, and her daughter's left the house. And very traditional. She doesn't speak any English. She has no money. She has no friends. She just waits on her husband. One day she finds an orange thong in his pants. And her world kind of, you know, tumbles down a bit. But then she picks herself up and she decides, number one, to learn to ride a bike. Number two, how to park cars for money. And number three, how to get a job. And she kind of lifts herself out of it. And meanwhile, her daughter, played by Sandra Oh, is, uh, she's experiencing her own problems. She's trying to get her mother out of this bind. But the star, the mother, is played by Pei Pei Cheng, who is one of the biggest stars in China. So it's really interesting to see her as this, you know, mm-hmm. woman who collects cans out of a garbage can on a bicycle. <laughs> it's very oh, good. Okay, Forrest Whitaker and Eric Bana star in the fact-based The Forgiven. Very moving, and it's a true story. Uh, during the Truth and Reconciliation times in South Africa, mm-hmm. those who committed atrocities were to be given clemency if they confess to their crimes. And Eric Bana plays this uh, horrendous character, this evil character beyond Hannibal Lecter, uh, who is looking for clemency. So Bishop Tutu, he calls him in, he goes, and they have these deep, intense conversations about good and evil. And, you know, this guy's trying to manipulate Tutu. It's just the most powerful thing. Nothing sugar-coated about it. Um, and it actually happened. So it's quite breathtaking, incredibly moving. What's Gringo? Gringo. Gringo. It's a great film. It's actually done by Nash Edgerton, who's Joel Edgerton's brother. And Joel stars in it, along with Charlize Theron and um, David Oyelowo. So that's quite a cast. Mm-hmm. So it's a complicated heist story that finds David Oyelowo being possibly murdered so his company will get the insurance money (laughs) it's so funny and witty and twisted and dark and you've got to pay good amount of attention so it's you know if you want your spirits lifted just go see it yeah next we have charlotte rampling in andrea palero's hannah yes and if you're feeling at all vulnerable don't go and see it (laughs) (laughs) okay well she plays a woman whose husband's in jail she's elderly she lives by herself she's used to having the best things in life and now she has nothing and she's a cleaning woman she's even lost her her son who thinks she's responsible for her uh husband's imprisonment just so many tender moments and and there doesn't seem to be any way out for her the only thing she can do to feel better about life is swim and take her acting lessons. But, uh, and there's a lot of rain in it, and it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Bean has taken a career turn? Holy cow. Have you, uh, you're going to see this, right? You're oh, going to get Brett Box and see this. He's great. Mr. Bean is now in, 
Inspector Maygray. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. They used to do his reruns in the 60s and yes, 70s. Yes. Yeah, it's oh, a I tough think. role. This guy is brilliant. So it's just uh, something you have to see, and it's on BritBox. Can I just mention something I saw today on mm-hmm. Netflix? It's just launching. It's called Nailed It. And it's all these people who see these pictures on Instagram of baking, great baking things, and they try to try to replicate them. Mm-hmm. And there are, it's always, you know, total failure. It's very, very funny. <laughs> so just remember it. It's on now. <laughs> okay. And quick, and the documentary Passionate Eye? Yeah, it's about how we waste food. It's it's shameful. We throw away 40% of our food while 800 million people in the world starve. That's on the CBC. And it's just, it's required reading, especially for young people. All right. Well, Anne Brody, thank you very much. I liked being tall today. <laughs> uh, we have her on a different chair. It's all good. <laughs> and you can find Anne's full reviews on what she said talk.com now. Thanks. Great. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. For the vast majority of people, there is something about how they look that they are less than happy with. For me, it was my smile. I took a tumble down the stairs when I was a child, losing both of my front teeth, resulting in a very lopsided smile. Fast forward 20 plus years. With my wedding fast approaching, I decided to check out the possibility of having this fixed. Dr. Cohen, the team at Maple Ridge Dentistry, gave me a smile that has not disappeared since I had the work done. After years of simply grinning, my wedding picture shows me smiling broadly. Maple Ridge Dentistry is affordable, fast, and makes the process easy. If your smile does not represent you in the best light, call Dr. Co. at 905-832-9008. Let the team at Maple Ridge Dentistry give you a smile you love. Go online at mapleridgedentistry.ca and change how the world sees you. Tell them Michael sent you. 105.9 The Region, keeping the 905 in the know. what she said and I'm Christine Bentley and joining us now is Nathan Maharaj the director of merchandising at Rakuten Kobo Inc and today we're talking all about the books that we cannot wait for can't wait <laughs> barely containing ourselves really absolutely okay so Last go. Time. Yeah. Last time we were talking about March break recommendations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're all loaded up. You're reading through yeah. March break. You're having a good time. Um, but uh, you know, the the this train of new books never stops. And w- as we're thinking about warm weather, we're going. We're we're outside for March break. Maybe mm-hmm. not today. It's a little mm-hmm. chilly. Um, live music's a big part of that. People are planning their concert season. That means at some point someone's going to put on the tragically hip on mm. a road trip somewhere, and that brings us to. The Never-Ending Present, The Story of Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip, which is uh, its really the kind of book uh, that the hip deserves. It's a big idea book. Mm-hmm. It's not just a rock bio. It's all about how can this little rock and roll band that never broke in the States become this national symbol and what are the conversations we have through them and all that kind of stuff. And it's, I mean, the great tragedy is it's a kind of book I think Gord Downey would have 
really sunk his teeth into because mm-hmm. it's at that level. So that's exciting. That's okay. yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's a, that's a uh, must have. Yeah, um, myself, I am biased strongly towards literary fiction. When the weather turns warm, when I'm thinking about camping trips, I sort of plan things out. I'm like, this is the book I'll read on the first day at the beach, and then the second day, and then of course I have two young children, so I read half of the first book and get to nothing else. <laughs> But a bookseller lives through other readers. And so and so uh, what I'm excited about is um, uh, a new book from Rachel Cusk, who's a Canadian expat who uh, lives, uh, I, I think she lives in Paris. She certainly writes very much. Um, I'm going a- to see her then. Oh, you must, yes. <laughs> um, uh, she, she's written these, uh, these other two books recently, Outline and Transit, which are very... It would be, it's hard to describe them, except that when you read them, you wish you were smoking and everyone was leaving a you alone. Was yes, exactly. A was. Yes, exactly. A was. You're on, you're, 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 you're at a little table in the cafe, the waiter's rude and everything's perfect. Yeah. And, Definitely and, Paris. <laughs> so Kudos is the new book from her. And, okay. um, and I have no idea what it's going to be like, but I am a hundred percent into it. I will follow Rachel Cusk anywhere, um, in, no matter how, 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 strange and 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 claustrophobic her books may be but they're short too they're short yeah. she she is she is, she comes in under 300 pages every time so this is the kind of book where if you think you've got an, a day alone to yourself or you think you might be able to push everyone away from you for the day uh, you can actually you can totally consume a Rachel Cusk novel uh, in a in a leisurely summer day okay, with a gold was but what if you're not so much into introversion and well, you know, if, if, <laughs> if you think friends are actually an important thing, and many of us do, um, Meg Wolitzer is probably your person. Okay. She wrote a book called The Interestings, which was a big deal a few years ago. It's about a bunch of friends growing up in the 70s. She's back. And her new book is completely up to the hype that uh, that that it's being greeted with because, of course, The Interestings was, was so many people's favorite book that year. The Female Persuasion is okay. the new book. And it's about two friends, um, also a story of young people growing up, finding their way in the world. Faith and Greer uh, are, are the uh, are our protagonists, and they're kind of coming into themselves as young women, as feminists, but as two very different people whose lives are nevertheless intertwined, um, which is kind of how friendship works, right? So um, so that's super exciting because Meg Willitzer is always great, always has characters. You either want, you want to be their best friend uh, or you want to fight with them maybe or kind of both. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, let's talk about James Comey. Let's talk about Comey. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's do it. A Comey higher, book's coming. A higher loyalty. A higher loyalty. And then it's got this long subtitle that makes it sound like he's going to talk about something other than Trump. Well, we know what he's going to talk about. <laughs> so, you know, Comey loves a spotlight. Comey got a lot of spotlight uh, towards the end of, uh, of the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. He came back into it uh, last year uh, testifying. Um, and this is a testimony of sorts as well. Uh, we can't wait. No idea what's in this book. Well, what's left to tell after Fire and Fury? <laughs> What is left after Fire and Fury? Nothing but ashes, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And woo, the president is missing? The president, I would not mention a James Patterson book, except that this one's uh, got a really interesting premise. He's co-writing it with Bill Clinton. So it's a mystery about a vanishing president. There are jokes about Mar-a-Lago uh, and missing presidents that <laughs> need to be written. Uh, but this one's, this one's interesting because usually when James Patterson co-writes, you can be pretty sure it's the other person doing all the work. But with an ex-president, I'm pretty sure he, that it's James Patterson well, that's going to be at the keyboard. How many books does Patterson write a year? Well, since we started this segment, he released two more. So <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so we read one and he writes one on the weekend. He writes two oh, for okay. every one you read. Yeah, there's no catching up. What about an audiobook? Because I 
like to listen while I walk. Yes. Um, we just um, released uh, as a Kobo original. It's very exciting. Uh, the audiobook version of Cherie Dimiline's the Marrow Thieves. It's a it's a YA novel, young adult novel, um, uh, that's kind of science fiction-y um, and sort of political. Uh, and it's about um, this plague that stops people dreaming and how the government finds the people who can still dream and, and steals their marrow. All right. Now, all these books are on our Books with Buzz list, which you can find at Kobo.com forward slash what she said. And uh, if you sign up, uh, there's a little bit of a surprise discount for you there. Mm -hmm. So it's all good. Uh Nathan, thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. 1059 The Region, growing with you and your family. Welcome back to What She Said. I'm Christine Bentley. Now, understanding what others are trying to tell you with their posture, their hand gestures, eye contact or lack of eye contact or incessant fiddling with their iPhone might all be even more important than what you're projecting yourself. Our next guests have written a fresh, insightful guide to reading body language in the post-digital age. Please welcome the authors of Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking, Mark Bowden and Tracy Thompson. Welcome to what she said. Thank you. I want to know how we're doing so far. Pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. work so there's a whole bunch of kind of work body language just kind of getting on with the operations of work going on at the moment well yeah. you know we had uh, a medium in here who, who oh, yeah. sort of looked over and pronounced to me that i was such and such and to yes. her that she was such and such and okay. we thought whoa she was open i was closed oh. i was cold i was and chill I was, chill right. but not in a good way <laughs> yes i was warm and it was like what you need. Within... okay so, yeah we won't do that no no, no. No. But I think, you know, I think there is something to this, this book, Truth and Lies, because uh, people say one thing, and at the time it seems disingenuine, but you're not quite sure why. So why is it critical in the digital age? Well, the the digital age hasn't changed anything about human beings. There's been no, no evolution around the way that we judge each other. D- there are some some tools that are different. You know, your your phone can bring mm-hmm. images of people who are far away to you now, but still, the way you judge them, which is an instinct, a reaction, still happens the same. Yeah, I think it adds a level a level of complexity for sure because you have the ability to represent yourself, to show, to curate the experience that others are having of you in a way that's that's much more lasting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, you know, I might put uh, something on my profile that 
gets looked at in three years from now. And it might, like how people are judging is, I have some control over how they're going to judge. But on the one hand and on the other hand, I don't. It might change as time passes. So we often talk about the Instagram perfect life, right? Right. <laughs> the perfect, perfect life. But yeah. the other you meet people the person have. and it's not so perfect. So yeah, yeah. How, how do you decipher that? in today's world? Well, you'd start by understanding that they are curating that image in a way that is, um, might well be way more controlled than it would be in, in their real life. It's not that it won't be reflective of that, but you've got to understand the level of control they can have. They can take one frame and just publish that. Tell us, though, what what are you really telling us in this book? How to decipher? Is there a whole language that you're going to tell us about? We have a system Ah. that we tell people about in the book called the SCAN system. And Ah. this is the biggest takeaway. We hope for people that will help people in real life situations. So we come from the premise that when we're in a situation, any context, any any scene, if you like, Mm -hmm. life scene Mm -hmm. scenarios, we can't help but make a very quick snap mm-hmm. judgment about what other people think towards us, what's, what's actually going on and what it means for us. And sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we don't. And we're trying to help people get it right more of the time. So the scan system, the S is about suspending that initial judgment. So when, you, when you're in this situation, you think, oh, oh, they really hate me or they really love me. It's like, wait a minute, just take a second and be a bit more mindful of what's going on around you. And then the C is taking that all-important context. So if somebody does, I don't know, if they cross their arms and you think, oh, they're, they're really closed. closed yeah. Mm. And yeah, they're closed, they're cold, they don't want to hear what I've got to say. Um, there might be lots of different reasons they've crossed their arms they in that cold. moment, in okay, that context. We need to find out what this steepling. means. Oh, steepling. <laughs> yes, so yeah. it's meant to make you in a job interview. It's meant to make people think you're more uh, intelligent. It can make you, fe- make you look more intelligent to others, but it won't be likable. Uh, really? Yeah. Because Christine said if somebody's steepled with her, she'd just think it was really affected. Yes, so it can look affected simply because it's not often that we spread our fingers well, like this. Well, especially like this. Like this, I yeah. Mean, it, it's a bit kind of put on. Yeah, and exactly. Because this is actually it's quite phony. hard. It's, it's yeah, It's quite hard to do this. There aren't many reasons in real life that you go like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that it doesn't have a great deal of function. So you're absolutely right. It can look put on but what it does is to spark our neocortex into thinking what's going on what's going on in their brain because that's actually quite difficult to do because we've got 10 fingers that we have to put together that's quite tricky for the brain so it looks smart but it doesn't look friendly Well, what people may not know is that you, Mark, are an internationally recognized body language and behavior expert. You've worked with politicians, CEOs, media people. Tracy, you're a business development specialist, and you're both principals at a company called Truthplane. What does Truthplane do, and why did you write this book? To share it when you could be, you know, farming out your services at thousands (laughs) of dollars an hour. (laughs) Well, I think the main thing is, is that people need help. And books are one way to get help across. You know, there are people who really like to get help and read books. And for, you know, $20 or so, you can get the same help that I might give uh, a politician who's running a country. There's the same information in a book like Truth and Lies that, that you'd get in that situation. I, I, we, we, we 
went off topic because we were going through the scan system. Oh, we the did scan, the right. S. We did the C. We did the C. The Sorry. A. That's okay. No, no, no. no. I, just I, just want, I want to know what the rest is. I That's all. I just, I, like wanted, I just wanted them to know how important you are. Hey. You're not just two people who wrote a book who came in to chat. Like, no. you actually no. have this down yeah. to a science. Well, yeah, and we've been... We're the actually, but the company's the, been... We've been running the company for about... You, you started the company a number of years ago, and we've been yeah. running it together for about But we're halfway years. through yeah. the science Yes. Yeah. so we S, S is suspend judgment. C is taken the context, at all important context. A is ask what else? What else could be going on? What have you brought into the situation, right? Like, are you, how are you feeling that day? What happened on your way into that interaction? Uh, what, what, what could be going on in the environment? Anything else that we just need to, you know, think about? Mm -hmm. We give some expert advice. We have some contributors that feed into that section that talk about their experience of, for example, like, you know, what people look like when they lie or uh, we have a great... Um, uh, contributor that's in the dating industry in the UK that that's all she does is take pictures for dating profiles and uh, that's um, really interesting for you know the whole dating section mm -hmm. <laughs> really so, yeah yeah, yeah. so the, we so we try and give some other advice yeah basically. more information more information but also and the you end? know what, what what are you thinking oh i as have well? somebody who would like that chapter <laughs> the end is <laughs> Uh, new judgment. New so judgment. you can form a new judgment or you can stick to your old judgment. And then we also give some tests. So if you've formed a new judgment, how can you test if you're correct or if you're wrong that are low risk? So right. is the, the, new, the new judgment, so it's after first impressions? Uh, yeah, so the first impression could be right, could or, be wrong, or it could be something in between. It will always feel very, very right, though. You will believe that you're accurate. You mm -hmm. may be accurate. Your new judgment could be more accurate uh, than the initial one. But once you've made the new judgment, you could go back to the old one and go, you know what, my old judgment, I'm sticking with that. They, my gut feeling my off the top. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some good reasons sometimes to, regardless of your new judgment, to stick with your old one. For example, if you are judging somebody as being uh, aggressive and you're in an unsafe place, doesn't matter whether you've made a new judgment of, you know what, I think they're okay. I think I'm going to get advice in the book, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. So um, Truth and Lies, what people are really thinking, is out now. Where do people get a copy? Oh. Amazon? Uh, oh, Indigo? Chapters, Indigo, anywhere you go to get books. Any bookshop, yes. Yeah. Can you, you leave us with one, um, before I steeple my hands, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can you leave us with one thing that, that if you want to make a good impression, you shouldn't do? Oh, you shouldn't do if you want to make a... Oh, well, don't do the, the, the uh, universal gesture of disgust, which, which is, is wrinkling your nose up like that. Sort of the sniff thing. Swallow. So, yeah, so if I say, you know what, it's been really great talking to you... <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will never feel that I'm telling you the truth about that. And is, is a smile as important as they say it is? A smile costs nothing a, but a gives true much? A smile, a genuine smile is incredibly important. And often in so many of the chapters it is like, how do you test your new judgment? Try smiling. Try yeah. giving somebody good eye contact and a good smile. It makes such a big difference. Wouldn't this be great for interviewing prospective employees? Never mind dating. I mean, the dating. I have somebody who's going to steal this book from me. <laughs> yeah. We know who it is. Oh, and thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about it. Pleasure. Oh, thanks for chatting. Great to see you both. Yeah. Great to see you. This is What She Said on 105.9 The Region, and we will be right back.
Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Guten Tag, it's me, Gunther, the German Shepherd, on the radio again to tell you that Troop Pet in Richmond Hill is the best place to get everything you need for your pets. Scrumptious treats, strong leashes, and the toys I love. Find them at Troop Pet in Richmond Hill or online at trooppet.ca. Jawohl! York Region, this is your radio station, 105.9 The Region. What she said. I'm Christine Bentley. It may be March break for most fans, but class is back in session at Keaton School of the Arts as Family Channel's popular tween drama Backstage returns for its second season. And joining us now is Aviva, who plays Aaliyah on the show. Welcome back to What She Said. Thank you. It's good to be back. So, what can you tell us about the new season? I can tell you that the new season is more drama. More fun, more songs, more dances, more art, and it's it's gonna be it's just a step up from season one. It's gonna be awesome. So tell us a little bit about your character. What kind of drama do you get involved with? So okay, so in the first season, she gets involved with a lot of boy drama. That's like mm-hmm. most of what it is. And so this season, she's determined to just think about herself and her music, and she really wants to better herself that way. But of course. There are always distractions. Of course. Of so, <laughs> um, that's, she goes through this journey of finding balance between life, music, work. And drama. And drama. Always. <laughs> always. Okay, but when you're not on set, you're recording music of your own. And your debut EP, Songs About Boys, is out now. So tell us about yeah. the music video you just put out for the song Wild. What was the inspiration? Yeah, so Wild, the music video, we wanted to do a big light show, make it like super... Um, like when you look at it, like there's just all this stimulation of all these different colors and lights because that's kind of, Mm -hmm. we wanted to like embody wild and like, you know, the word wild is so, you know, Mm -hmm. crazy. Wild. Yeah, it's wild. (laughs) So, and then we, we combined that with like a sporadic kind of, there's like these little like glitches and stuff just to really bring out the meaning of the song, which is just that sometimes people like aren't great for you, but they make it feel, it's like so mm. bad that it's good. That's what the song <laughs> is. So, it's like, so bad that it's so good. What's next for you this year? So I'm working on a lot of music, um, always auditioning, always looking for new roles and stuff like that. And uh, and I'm in school now for comedy, so I'm doing that as well on Excellent. top of that. Excellent. And how yeah. much drama do you have in your personal life? Oh, <laughs> none. I'm so lame. Absolutely in real life. I just, none. Like, yeah, I stay that's home and I go to school. That's your story and you're sticking to it? <laughs> yeah, that's my story. I hang out at home and I go to school and that's my life and I work. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. That is what she said for today. We will be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow at noon on 1059 The Region. And you can find us on social media at What She Said Talk. What's your social media? I only have Instagram, Aviva CM. Aviva CM. Excellent. But right now, singing us out 
in our live studio sessions. Here is Aviva performing wild. Thank you. when we play outside we become healthier both mentally and physically we become more creative and more focused we connect with nature each other and ourselves let's take this outside a new podcast hosted by me marianne iveson an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover i speak to athletes outdoor professionals and scientists about their connection to nature 
how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.